Star Wars 7x7 episode 712. Today, there's a project I've been working on behind the scenes, and it seems like now is the good time to go public with it, especially after all the time we've talked about Bloodline and the events thereof, doing some deep analysis of them. I'm ready to just launch it and not make the perfect the enemy of the good. It is a New Republic timeline resource, and we'll tell you all about it right here. Punch it, Chewie. Hi, this is Mike and Joe from the Cantina Cast. And you're listening to Star Wars 7x7, the only daily Star Wars podcast. Hey, Rebel Rouser. Welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host, Alan Voivod, and this project stems from my curiosity, and it's not just my curiosity, of course, it's the curiosity of Star Wars fans around the world as to what happened in the years between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. That's three decades of time where the New Republic was in existence and then ultimately was out of existence as they were so summarily destroyed by the First Order in The Force Awakens. And... There are so many things that we don't yet know about that time period and about how we got to the state of affairs that we see in The Force Awakens. Now, as of this recording, there are 14 different sources of information that reveal snippets of what happened between 4 ABY and 34 ABY. And if you think there are more of them, then by all means, chime in at the comments of the blog post for this show's episode at SW7X7.com. We have them listed in a new resource on Star Wars 7x7's website. It is called the Star Wars New Republic Timeline. You will find it at sw7x7.com slash the-star-wars-new-republic-timeline. We'll also have it linked at the blog post for the show's episode. Of those sources of information, 12 of them are fiction and two of them are nonfiction, as in reference materials, specifically the Incredible Cross-Sections book and the Visual Dictionary for The Force Awakens. The fiction items in the list include The Force Awakens novelization as well as The Levers of Power, which is a short story, Shattered Empire, the comic book limited series, Aftermath, the novel by Chuck Wendig, And let's see what else. Bloodline, of course. The Perfect Weapon. C-3PO, the comic book one-shot. Perfect Weapon is an ebook original, by the way. Moving Target, Smuggler's Run, and Weapon of a Jedi. They had prologues and epilogues that took place inside that timeline. Tales from a Gap Book of Short Stories. And Poe Dameron, the comic book series. Oh, let's not forget Lost Stars. And what I'm going to do for you in the rest of the podcast is give you the highlights of what's happened in those 30 years as far as we know them so far. So we know after the Battle of Endor that the Imperial fleet was decimated. Lost Stars says that many ships survived and many did not. The Rebellion took terrible losses at the Battle of Endor, but were still establishing the New Republic. And unfortunately for the Empire, they ended up having some civil unrest within themselves. There were a bunch of people declaring themselves Emperor, and nobody could consolidate power. So they all just started fighting each other. Eventually, they regrouped for one big battle. That's the Battle of Jakku that happened four days after the first anniversary of the Battle of Endor. And, of course, they really had a bad time of it in that. Some ships escaped and went off into the unknown regions past the Outer Rim. But otherwise, that was pretty much it for the Empire. And they signed the Galactic Concordance and stayed within treaty boundaries. 
Meanwhile, something that I have a feeling is going to come back to us later on in Episode 8 or Episode 9 is the fact that during this first year after the Battle of Endor, after Return of the Jedi, there was a mission where Luke Skywalker and Shara Bay, who is Poe Dameron's mother, went to a planet called Vatine and broke into an Imperial laboratory there where they found and rescued two pieces of a tree that had once been at the center of the Jedi Temple on Coruscant. Luke took possession of one of those pieces of the tree, and we do not know what he did with them, but I have a feeling we are going to find out in Episode 8. And the second piece went with Shara and her husband Kes Dameron when they settled on Yavin 4 with Baby Poe six months after the Battle of Endor. Now, after that first year after the Battle of Endor, we don't know a heck of a lot. Not until we get to 10 years ABY, which is six years after the Battle of Endor, where Shara Bay passes away, cause unknown and unreported at this point. Then we don't get anything else in the timeline until the year 21 ABY, which would be 17 years after the Battle of Endor, which seems to be the point, as we discussed in yesterday's podcast, where the seeds of the First Order may have been sown, where the criminal enterprise run by Rinriven D was not in place yet, but within seven years, heading to 28 ABY, which is the time of Star Wars Bloodline, it was fully operational. At that point, the New Republic was mired in gridlock and partisanship, and the Senate itself, I guess you could say, very much resembled how ineffectual the Senate of the Old Republic was before Palpatine took over and cleaned house. And some folks inside the centrist camp, and specifically in the far right, as they are described in Star Wars Bloodline, started funneling money from the government into basically the First Order, for all intents and purposes, the fledgling First Order. At the time, there were some very quiet conversations that were happening about possibly seceding from the New Republic, though we don't know what the result of that actually is. So we jump then from six years before The Force Awakens to about a year before The Force Awakens, where, of course, events start to get hot and heavy. In this last year, 33 ABY, before The Force Awakens, the First Order and the New Republic are separated by a buffer zone of neutral space, and the First Order has regularly been making incursions not just into neutral space but into Republic space as well, and yet the Republic military and Republic Senate Intelligence Committee will not do anything about it. They will not provoke them. They will not engage them. They're just basically ignoring it unless it gets too terribly egregious and then they file formal protests, but they don't really do much about it at all. So it falls to the resistance operating under the guidance of General Leia Organa for the past five years to try and get proof that the First Order is a bad actor. And they get it in the form of information taken from Senator Roe Kintor's ship. And Roe had been suspected of colluding with the First Order, and when he's attacked by some plausible deniability folks operating for the Resistance and has his data stolen when he calls for help, he calls the First Order for help, not the Republic. Yeah, that's a bad sign for sure. And the Resistance finds that one of the things that he has information on is clues to the location of Lorsan Tekka, which of course is very important to Princess Leia, General Leia, because Lorsan Tekka may have a line on where Luke Skywalker is. So before anybody can go on a search for Luke Skywalker, they have to go on a search for Lorsan Tekka, which Poe Dameron does. Meanwhile, the other major players of The Force Awakens have their own problems. Rey has just found a ship in good enough condition to rebuild in the middle of the Jakku Desert, and just as she flies her ship triumphantly back to Nima Outpost, along with some people who she reluctantly allowed to help, 
Uh, she gets there. She gets to Unkar Plutt to demand her payday, and those scoundrels that worked on the ship with her take off with it and fly away, leaving Ray behind. And, man, I don't know how that did not crush her. Oh, we talked about this story in Before the Awakening, and, ugh, absolutely terrible and heartbreaking. In the meantime, Finn, a.k.a. FN2187, has been performing very promisingly in simulations, but when it comes to his first real-world engagement, where he's basically called upon to massacre a bunch of miners at a place called Pressy's Tumble, he cannot pull the trigger. So him not pulling the trigger on Jakku is not the first time he has had trouble performing in the field. So those are the things I can share with you about the New Republic timeline now. There are other things that we've talked about on previous episodes, like the time period covered by Star Wars Aftermath, which happened six months after the Battle of Endor and Return of the Jedi. And there are also a couple things that I just haven't yet read, like the Perfect Weapon or the Levers of Power, for example, that I still need to get around to. And believe me, I will be very soon. And I'll be updating the timeline with more information as we go. If there are major events and or major character developments that you see that are not updated in the timeline, then by all means do chime in with a comment at the blog post for this show's episode at SW7X7.com or hit us up on Facebook, that's Facebook.com slash SW7X7, or Twitter, that's SW7X7 Podcast there, and do let me know. Oh, and one thing that you will notice is not part of the timeline is anything to do with the Force back that Rey has in the middle of The Force Awakens. So whatever scene that has Luke and R2 in front of something burning and whatever scene has Kylo Ren along with the supposed Knights of Ren standing in the middle of a rainy field with bodies littered all around them, yeah, that's not in the timeline because we don't know what that is or what it's about or when it occurred. So yeah, still a lot to fill in. Hey Rebel Rouser. You've heard me talk about the Star Wars 3D holograms from Zebra Imaging here on the podcast before. Now you've got another reason to sit up and take notice. They've got a fantastic Father's Day special going on. Buy the dad and get the son free. That's right, when you buy Han Solo and Carbonite, you'll get Kylo Ren, both from the Alpha edition of Star Wars 3D Hologram Collectibles. Just go to SW7X7.com slash hologram to claim the offer. Once again, that's SW7X7.com slash hologram. All right, let's have a trivia question here before we go. Red squad, blue squad, take my lead. I'm on it. We got my team. Last time we asked you who inadvertently revealed the location of the Resistance base to the peeps at Starkiller Base, and that was Snap Wexley. Today's question, in what sector will you find the thermal oscillator on Starkiller Base? Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. Hey, before you get captured on Geonosis, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And we'd be spectacularly grateful if you put a little something in the tip jar at patreon.com slash SW7x7. It's not a separatist trick, it's Destiny Unleashed. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2016 Star Wars 7 We hope you love it.